Great teachers find creative ways to get across their important but sometimes complicated truths. I know a high school chemistry teacher who taught her science by having her students cook Thanksgiving dinner, which gave her an excuse to talk about how heat and cold affect molecules and the taste of food. When my son was learning fractions and percentages, I helped by teaching him how to calculate Derek Jeter's batting average. I would say, so Derek goes one for three on Friday night and two for five on Saturday and one for five on Sunday. What is Derek's batting average in that weekend series against the Tigers? You could use the same lesson to calculate the quarterback rating for Tom Brady, but don't do it just now because you will not be happy. <laughs> and the Christian church is one of the greatest teachers in history. The church gets its point across by giving us what I'm calling these catechetical carols. These are songs that teach us a whole catechism of doctrine. Tom Long was my professor at Princeton and later Joe's professor at Emory. Tom Long calls the church's hymnal. The church was language school. The hymnal is our language school, our Berlitz our Rosetta Stone. Of the six carols we've looked at this season, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear is the only one written by Americans. The jaunty tune was written by Richard Willis, a talented Detroit kid who joined Skull and Bones when he went to Yale. And the catchy text was written in 1849 by Edmund Sears, a Unitarian minister who'd graduated from Harvard and then served small parishes in the Boston area after. So it came upon a midnight clear as a happy collaboration between Harvard and Yale. The Reverend Sears was a Unitarian, and you probably know that Unitarians aren't big on the divinity of Jesus and on virgin births and angels in the sky and all that sort of thing. But Mr. Sears always preached about the divinity of Jesus and the virgin birth and those angels in the sky. So he was, in fact, a Trinitarian Unitarian. <laughs> it was 1849. Big cities like Detroit and Boston were beginning to teem with the poor. Slavery was riveting the nation apart. Massachusetts, of course, was headquarters in America for abolitionism. And it came upon a midnight clear as not only a catechetical carol teaching us doctrine, it's also a pastoral carol in more ways than one. It's pastoral because it talks about pastures, about sheep and shepherds. You know, that's why they call Joe and me a pastor, because we're the shepherd of the flock. And in the second way, it came upon a midnight clear as a pastoral carol because it talks about caring for the flock, for caring for folk, for healing broken hearts. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Whose forms are bending low, writes Mr. Sears. I love the double usage of that phrase, bending low. Why? To bow in worship before the tiny child or under the crushing load? of life's sad circumstances. Probably both, right? I wish you could see this congregation from my perspective. 
I'm really the only one in the room who can see every face in this room. Even the choir, if I turn around once in a while. And as I look at this sea of faces, I'm reminded that I've helped five families bury their young children in the last two Christmases. The youngest was 26. A family over here is completely riven by misunderstanding between a mother and her teenager. In the back row, there's a widow who just lost her husband of 42 years. In every third pew, if statistics are to be believed, and if they come true right here, someone is so depressed that they cannot enjoy but only endure the holiday. And so that phrase from the carol means a great deal to people like Joe and me who are in, who are in charge of your care. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. But you also notice that it came upon a midnight clear, yes? That angel song which cleaves the sky and the silence. It was midnight. Caesar's greedy grasp clutched the known world from India to Gibraltar. Daily life was an experiment in survival training. There was not, never enough to eat. Most babies died. It was a miracle. He didn't. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled to working shepherds, the exiled undocumented migrants of first century Palestine. And it worked. It's true. And still the heavenly music floats o'er all the weary world above its sad and lonely plains they bend on hovering wing. One Christmas tide, Tom Long went to visit a friend who was dying of cancer. The man's family and the caring folks from hospice left them alone in the man's bedroom. It was late in the evening. They didn't have much to say to each other because what do you say in such a setting, such a circumstance? The silence was not exactly awkward, but both of them knew that it was time to say goodbye. Neither spoke it but both knew that this would be the last Christmas for both of them. It was dark outside, and just then, down on the street level, they heard shuffling feet and rustling and whispering. The choir from their church had come to sing Christmas carols, and it was clear that they were discussing quietly amongst themselves what they should sing. What do you sing to a dying man? And then it started, softly at first. And this is what they heard.
The dying man turned his face to the wall so that nobody could see his tears. Amid the cold of winter, when half spent was the night. Those choristers had been singing those songs together for a long time, some of them for years. Every Thursday night, mastering the lyrics and the tunes, the meters and the meanings, hundreds of choral expressions of the faith. For years, they'd all been students in the church's language school. And so they knew you can't sing We Wish You a Merry Christmas in a setting like that. They knew it was the cold of winter when half spent was the night, but they also knew that she bore for us a Savior. It's been a year like any year. You know, I look over this sea of faces, I see some broken hearts, some disconsolate spirits, some shattered dreams. And also, great gladness. The other day, a senior at Nutrier received an email from Stanford University. She could barely open it. Her hands were shaking so bad. But when she did, it said, congratulations, class of 2024. Young man gave his beloved her Christmas gift this afternoon. She's wearing it on the third finger of her left hand. A young woman told her mother she's in her 12th week. The baby's due in June. The other day, someone got the offer of the job of his dreams. Last Friday, two people agreed reluctantly to meet for a blind date. Neither of them wanted to go. But six hours later, they were still walking and talking in the streets of the city, and they have not come down to earth, either of them, since that night. A man went for his annual checkup at the oncologist. Five years clear. And he feels for all our sadness. And he shares in all our gladness. It came upon a midnight clear when the world in solemn stillness lay and the darkness is riven with starlight and the silence by angels' song, and the world has known ever since that God will never abandon us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen.